do not know about y'all, but my my hair is still blown back. Yeah, my eyes and my ears are bleeding. I mean, we've watched it three times, and it's still like, oh, shit. It's like, wait for it, wait for it. And there's a lot of it, but there's, you know, there's a one big it. We'll close out with that. But I'm going to kind of clip through the episode because we're, we're doing seven episodes in season seven of Game of Thrones, and they got to get a lot of things done to set up for the big coming war. So it's really interesting how they're lining it up and how they're getting it done. Um, but let's get the clip through scene by scene uh, just, to, just to keep ourselves uh, straight on what went down because so much in that 52-minute episodes happened. Uh, we start out, we're at the Reach. We're outside um, of High Garden as the Lannister army is marching away with all of High Garden's gold and uh, probably lots of, uh, of their wine and some other goods. And they're rolling toward King's Landing. And this gold is really important because the Lannisters owe a shit ton of money to the Iron Bank. And they're already rolled up in King's Landing asking for it. So Jamie's first and foremost goal is to get the gold out of the Reach to King's Landing. And he's sitting there with uh, Dickon <laughs> uh, and Randall Tarley and Braun, And they're talking about how they need to convince the farmers in the region to hand over their granaries, right? Their, their, the groceries. Now, they're, they're just taking this, this money for, I mean, this, this stuff for their army, right? Right. So, well... We'll get to Cersei's making this deal with the Iron Bank to further her cause so, so she can rule all the things. But first and foremost, it's to pay back the debt and to, to take all of these, um, all the goods, the food goods and the foodstuffs inside of King's Landing so they can, you know, fight. They can supply their army. They can supply their people. I don't know what the people in the Reach are going to do. Does that just mean, like, you can make more of it, so fuck you? I don't know. Yeah, she has a different approach than Sansa. Like you know, they're they're trying to get their stuff up north, all yeah. the all the food stuff. But they're she, asking nicely. I yeah, think. she's like, "Can you please give us a bushel?" And Cersei's like, <laughs> "Fuck you, let me take your shit." But here's the big thing that's going on in this particular moment is that the Tarleys have always treated with the Tyrells. I mean, that's who they were pledged to was House Tyrell, and so you know, here's Randall and Dickon. <laughs> um. Making this, you know, siding up with the Lannisters, and uh, we'll soon see just how that turned out. But so the, we open on this scene with, you know, Jamie telling Bronn, you know, about, well, I think Bronn is getting, he's getting a little pissy, right? Because he's saying, where's my castle? And he points to Highgarden, like, can I take that? And then Jamie, you know, lays some biggie smalls on him and says, you know, more money, more problems. If, if Even if I give it to you, Danny's just going to roll up tomorrow and take it away from you. So do you really want all these riches? And Bron's like, yeah, yeah bitch, <laughs> I do. I've never been wealthy. Why not? And he lays, uh, Jamie gives Bron a big bag of gold, which comes into play later. Talking about loyalties. But Bron's got to go along and he's got a strong army, these farmers, into handing over uh, their grain and whatever they're growing. He's still he's still the sell sort. Now, has he been knighted? Is he knight like I Davos? Think it, I think uh Jamie actually calls him uh He's like whatever shit 
finger from. It calls right? him Sir Bron, though, at one point, oh. if, I, if my ears don't mistake me. So then our next scene, we have Cersei sitting here with Tycho Nestoris from uh, Bravos from the Iron Bank. Mark Gaddis. Shout out to Mark. Um, and she, he's like, we've never seen anybody have this amount of debt and pay it off in one fell swoop. We were really digging your, your interest payments. Um, and so since you're going to do that, you know, pay us back, which we find out that the gold is secured and sent, it does make it back to King's Landing. Yeah, yeah, it is. So she's pulled this off. She's paid back her debts. So the Lannisters do pay their debts. And now Tycho's like, hey, you know, do you need any help furthering your uh, interest? And she's like, yeah, going to definitely need, um, going to definitely need some help. And then he talks about enlisting. Well, she says that Kyburn has reached out to Golden Company and, uh, Golden Company, which hasn't been in the show, which is a part of the books, is a an army of sellswords. Uh, and there's a dude named Harry Strickland, who's currently running them in the books. I don't know who's in charge on the TV version. But Kyburn's already reached out to them. And we know, because Tycho tells us, that the Iron Bank uses the Golden Company a lot of times to get their money back. They're their strong arm. So let's say a nation... Um, hasn't paid their debts, they're not the Lannisters, then the Golden Company is sent in to extract it in one way or another. Uh, they either get the money itself or they take heads or they take property or whatever they do, right? So I wonder what their number is because it sounds like they, they, they could either be an army, they have enough people to be an army, and then they have enough people, I mean... Or, or they're or, just a bunch of audience. And they, and they have some special forces, too. And, yeah. you know. Well, just imagine if you had 10,000 bronze. Yeah. Guys who don't fight really necessarily with honor, but they get the shit done. I don't know. That's a pretty effective army. They, you know, they, and they also are known for not breaking their contracts. So there's been other companies of sellswords out there. Yeah, like Tyrion, uh, remember earlier, he had his stone men. Right. And all those other guys. Haga and all those guys. Yeah. The wildling uh, company. But traditionally... Uh, in the books, at least, sellsword companies cannot be trusted because, well, they're made up of sellswords who literally sell their honor, um, so sell their skills. But the Golden Company has a, a strong reputation for honoring their contracts. So once you hire them, you need to pay up or you are you're just not going to be happy with the results. So this is interesting that she's, you know, the Iron Bank is showing an allegiance here, but we know, we know. The Iron Bank is allegiant to no one. They really aren't, ultimately. Yeah, I almost feel like they're they're sort of playing all the sides. Of course maybe? they do. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're they're based out of Bravos, and what comes out of the Bravos Bravosi lands? The multi faced god. Everybody got lots of faces up in Bravos. So I don't know. I feel like Tycho is. We're seeing him in these scenes because somehow this is going to play in a way that I don't think is going to land in Cersei's favor. It looks like she's she's getting all beefed up. She's paying back her debt. She's got Golden Company and everybody's on it. But I feel like this is going to be the old switcheroo. I just feel that. Because this is the Iron Bank. So this, our next scene up is we got Bran in his room um, at Winterfell and he's getting a visit from Littlefinger who drops by to I don't know what the purpose of this whole thing was but he sits down with Bran and he gives him the cat's paw, Valyrian dagger, that was given to just this random dude, the cat's paw assassin, to come and kill Bran when he was a kid after he was pushed out of the tower by Jamie to finish him off, right? Mm-hmm. 
So we're having this exchange, and Bran asked Littlefinger, do you know where the sword came from? And Littlefinger, you had an interesting observation about Littlefinger's answer about the origin of this knife and who it belonged to. Well, because, you know, throughout the whole story, he has given two explanations on where that thing comes from. First, it was Tyrion's, you know, he won it in a bet. Because he bet on, uh, he bet against Jamie or or whatever, and the tourney with uh, between Loras and Jamie, and and that's how Tyrion won it, because he bet against what Jamie. Yeah. And then Tyrion would later say, "I would never bet against my brother, and that is not my dagger. I don't know what the hell you're talking about." And then what's the other lie that Littlefinger tells? Because I don't remember the second yeah, and excuse I think, that he I, says. I think it was. It was uh, what it really was. Was he bet? Robert Baratheon. Right. And it was Robert's sword. Robert and, ended up winning. And Robert won it. Yeah, at the tourney. But he never really used it. It was just laying around the house. Yeah. And if you believe kind of what's been laid down in the books and the show, the the real person who sent the uh, cat's paw assassin with this very fancy Valyrian sword, well, it's a plain blade, but it's Valyrian steel with a dragon bone handle. These are very important notes about it. Uh, and these things are rare. But who would have that? So it's it's Robert's dead, Joffrey's king, or maybe Robert's just hanging out. I don't think Robert's dead yet. And Joffrey sends this guy to kill Bran yeah. with this fancy knife, which he probably has on him when they're visiting Winterfell. And maybe it's been sort of suggested that Joffrey was showing off for Robert like, I can kill her eyes too. I don't know, but it's been heavily insinuated that it was Joffrey who sent the assassin. And I think it was, you know... Which set off the War of the Five Kings. His his yeah. assassination attempt sets off the War of the Five Kings. So this dagger is very important. Yeah. And that's what, you know, that's what um, Littlefinger's response to Bran was. That, you know... Well, this was my theory was that I wanted... I think Bran wanted to, to ask him because Bran knows the answer of where this came from. And he knows what... Theoretically, what Littlefinger is going to say. Yeah. He just is like, okay, let's let's game this out and see what he says. Right, because Bran knows. He knows. He also isn't Bran anymore. And he doesn't care, but he's holding this thing and he finds this very curious. And Littlefinger starts in with his usual bullshit. Yeah. And he's talking to, like, the Oracle. He's talking to Nostradamus here. He's talking to Google. And he says this. He uses the word chaos. To which Bran immediately looks him dead in his eyes and says, "Chaos is a ladder." Yeah, and that sort of, and then we have that sort of look at at Littlefinger. He shat a little and bit. And he, he just like there's uh, he gets just like he got popped in the face. He was shook. Yeah, and we rarely see that smug bastard get shook because that that quote is uh, a conversation between Varys and uh, Littlefinger back in what season three or so. When they're at the throne room at King's Landing, and they're, we're finding out the two characters' motivations. Because we don't have their POVs in the books because we would know what the jig is. Uh, but these two guys are having this conversation, and Varys is like basically talking about how he's here for the people. And he'll use whatever ruler has the better heart to do that or whatever. And he says, chaos is a pit. And then uh, Littlefinger says, no, chaos is a ladder. It's an opportunity to crawl out of here. So here's Bran. He wasn't there. At all. 
Ben King's Landing, and he just looks him in his eyeballs and just quotes himself to himself, and it's like, oh shit. Yeah, because we, I mean, we're we're we've been talking about, you know, Littlefinger is going to die, right? That's yeah. been our our sort of thing. Sure. And we're starting to see him being he's useless now. Well, yeah, but I mean, we're starting to see him being uh, uh, sized up and outplayed by the Starks. Yeah. Because we had, you know, we had him and and Sansa first, and you know she already knows she can't trust him. And then he comes in contact with Bran, and Bran's like, "Dude, I'm gonna size you up too." Mm-hmm. So we're kind of getting this sort of we're knocking him down peg by peg. Yeah, and that that's almost it's a delicious kind of lead up to. So who you know, kills like, him? Like Ramsey has been like just out and out cruel, and his death is very satisfying. So I think they're going to give this character an end that befits his scheming. So I think it'll be a, a, a double cross that he is not planning ahead. You know, he's telling Sansa, "You need to think ahead." Well, you just met the dude who who thinks who knows he all knows the shit ahead. in any direction, yeah. right? He yeah. knows how you're going to go out. Um. So it goes right off with that. Mira comes in the room, interrupts the, the conversation. Littlefinger steps out. And it's interesting because Mira comes to say goodbye, but Bran already knows that. I mean, Bran is just not a good hang right now. Like, you, you can't tell him a joke. You can't, you know, surprise him for on his birthday. You can't. There's, there's no surprises with Bran. And he also just says, hey, to her, she, she goes to say, um, I'm leaving. He knows that. She goes, you don't need me anymore. And he's like, nope, I don't. And he's like, so, see ya. And she's like... It's like, is that all you're going to say? That's it, dude? <laughs> so she's like, I'm sorry, my brother died for you. And Hodor died for you. And Summer died for you. She didn't throw in the fact that because of him, children of the forest were made completely extinct in this earth that we know them. I mean, I'm getting the impression that that's true. There might be some children of the forest hanging out exactly where Mira's yeah, from, maybe. you know, yeah. um, in, in the, the Greenlands over there, but... For all intents and purposes, a lot of like really important people and uh, things died in his name. And Bran's like, new phone, who dis? And then she just, it dawns on her. She looks at how like, he tells her, I'm not, I'm not Bran anymore. I remember yeah. being that dude. What was his, his, he's, what was his line? He's like, I'm not really. I'm not really. And then she looks at him and just has this kind of realization. Even after being through all of this with him, she's like, you died in that cave. Yeah. And so, you know, everybody had their part to play. But, yeah, he's not Brand anymore, guys. He's- See, I, I thought that in, that interchange between the two of them was really cool. She wasn't, like, you know, staying too long at the party. She Mm-mm. like, oh, I got it. Right. I also love the little kind of thing where um, Mr. Walken has put him in a, uh, in a wheelchair. He's built, like, the first wheelchair ever that's been ever made. And um, she's looking at this like, oh, that's awesome. Glad I, I wish we would have had that thing at the cave, you know, after I hauled your dead ass, you know, all over, like beyond the wall. But I'm, I'm glad that you're, you're safe and you're happy and you got some, you know, your pelts on you and uh, my thanks and you've got a wheelchair. Awesome. Peace. Somebody, somebody hug Mira. If I was Mira, I would just go find like all of the wine and just get wasted. Do you think she's going to, do you think she's coming back? I don't know that the show's going to have enough time because the reeds just were never given um, any space really besides Howland at the tower. And then these two, Jojen and Mira, doing their part to get Bran to yeah. the Three-Eyed Raven and the handoff. 
Because she even said, you know, when this happens, I need to be with my family. And right. They're going to go down there. I don't think we're just going to randomly cut away and yeah. see the reeds we've never met before yeah. just fighting off the White Walkers. Oh, by the way, these are the reeds. <laughs> you haven't seen them for seven seasons. Although they're so cool. But I get it. There's only there's only so much room on the screen that you can give these characters. I'm glad the reeds were just allowed to participate in whatever form that they were given. So Then she doesn't get like a... a that's her farewell moment. If this is this is the end of her, that's yeah. This is a bummer, man. It's like even Jojen got a little bit of Jojen got taken down in a cool way. She you know. just got the wah, wah. So now we roll to the next scene, which is Arya returns to Winterfell, and there's this interesting scene where once again she's trying to get into a, a castle, <laughs> and two dumbass guards are just giving her shit. Now the first time was when she was a little girl and she was at King's Landing. And she was learning to chase cats, as Sirio Forel had uh, told her to do as part of her homework. Is this when she went down into the dungeons mm-hmm. and she she heard the, the two people talking? She ha- heard uh, Varys and Ilario talking about right. their plans for Danny. So she heard that, yeah. and she didn't really kind of know the game at the time. And I think she had even seen the dragon skulls. So she finds herself outside uh, the Red Keep, I want to say, and she's trying to get back in. And, and she's the little girl. She's not who she is now, and these two guys give her a hard time. So the show does this really funny nod to that. So she rolls up to Winterfell, and she's this version of Arya. She was a straight razor gangster. But she uses her wits to kind of talk her way in, you know? And we see that when the guy goes to grab her, she's been told, fuck off three times. He goes to grab her, and she just totally dodges that Jackie Chan style. She's like, no, I don't think so, you bumbling fool. And they, they make her sit <laughs> sit here. We're going to go tell the right lady here. of the house. Sit right here. Sit right here. And they're like, you don't even, what are you even doing? You're telling a shadow to sit. You're telling an assassin. Probably the, one of the biggest badasses to sit. But they go and they tell Sansa and they're telling her like, don't worry, milady. And, and they say she was dropping names like Sir Roderick and Master Lewin. Yeah. And Sansa gets it. She's like, oh, Oh, I know where she is, because like, she disappears, right? And she goes down to the crypt. Sure enough, we have this reunion. I was a little teared up. Were you? Oh, yeah. I mean, every single one of the Stark reunions, I was like, oh, there's, you know, there's another one. Here's another. Because that's what I've been waiting for. Yeah. I've been waiting for all the Starks to get back to Winterfell. And now... This was a very satisfying This one. was. So the two sisters see each other. And again, you know, I think Arya is just in profile looking up at... Um, Ned's uh, likeness, his statue over his crypt, and she doesn't even turn, and she says, do I have to call you Lady Stark now? And, of course, Sansa replies, yes. And then Sansa rolls up to her, and, and um, I don't know if they hug at this point, but I know she said, why did you run away? And Arya goes, I didn't run. You need better guards. Yeah, well, they did, they did sort of, I mean, Sansa hugged her. I mean, she went out and hugged her, and I think, you know, I was trying to watch in, the, in, in one of our rewatches, I think um, Arya hugged her back. It was yeah. like, you know... That was like mutual. A, yeah. Uh, yeah. But we see that these two... They're women now. They've been through so much. The last time they saw each other was at King's Landing. And this was before Ned was taken. And, you know, Arya's presumed dead. Until Brienne confirms to Sansa, Oh, no, I saw her. She was alive. Just kind of ran off. But... 
Sansa is kind of playing that big sister kind of looking at her like she's a little kid in this moment in a way. She's not quite sure what to make of her, but there's a little bit of an air like, oh, your little sister. And Arya pretty much just kind of, she's given off this vibe, total vibe of like, um, yeah, I've seen some shit too. I imagine you have as well. And then Arya asks Sansa if she killed Joffrey. And there's this two, this two shot or this medium two shot where they're standing on either side of Ned's crypt and uh, Sansa says, I wish I could take credit. And then Arya says, I was angry when I heard someone else had done it. Yeah. Uh, however uh, long my list got, he was always first. And Sansa goes, what do you mean list? She goes, oh, well, the people I'm going to kill. And she laughs and has this moment of going, what the hell is up with you? So I thought that was an uh, interesting interchange. Yeah, it's like, I mean, she's starting to see, because what, she met John first... And then she sees how he's changed. Then she was reunited with Bran and saw how she he's changed. And now it's with Arya and how much Arya's changed. And then like, Sansa just like she's bummed. Every time you know. she sees one of her like family members, she's like, Shit has just gotten real, man. But well, I mean, she knows even, it's even happened Sansa, to her. Yeah, she's she's changed as well. So she gets this. She's no longer yeah. the soft little girl that wants to do needlepoint. Like she's running the show. She yeah, and she's and this is and she's being you know the the um the stately queen. Yeah, and she also just understands the pragmatism of war and sieges and feeding people and all the practical things that come with like you know running the show, running a castle, running a running a hold, yeah, a hold fast. Um, I do like this little remark that she says to Arya about, "Hey, you know." If uh, me and John met up, and if if when he sees you, his heart's gonna stop. I love this nod to the fact that his heart has literally stopped, and he's been resurrected. Um, and Sansa knows that she knows he's been resurrected. Which again, she knows about the resurrection. Sansa knows about the resurrection. Does she? I mean, it feel like did they tell her? This was the weird thing that. Well, maybe not because I think if she had known that she'd be yeah, treating John with a little bit more respect. Yeah, or I don't. I don't know if she knows that. Probably, uh, it, I would, it would have to be that she doesn't because. So this is a little nod of like she knows, she knows, but she doesn't know, no. because when she sees John at the wall and they're reunited, it's kind of like they're sitting there having porridge, and they're like, "Did, did he, did she say, did he tell?" So I don't know that yeah, he knows. Yeah, I don't. I don't she remember knows. if if she if he said anything to her. Yeah, I don't know. So, so anyway, in either case, that little line about when he sees you, his heart's going to stop. It's just just great. This great line, and then she lays it on her. She goes, "Oh, by the way, Bran's here." And Arya's all smiley, and Sansa's like, "Yeah, about Bran." Yeah, he's. He... <laughs> <laughs> so we go immediately to the Godswood. And Bran's out in his wheelchair, sitting by where his future home. And, and she says, you know, there's, okay, so they're standing in front of him, and she's like, uh, Bran has visions. <laughs> right? Hey, um, what? Because Bran has remarked to Arya that he saw her at the crossroads, and she's like, what? How did you see me at the crossroads? And that's when Sansa goes, oh, yeah, uh, by the way, Bran has visions now. Yeah, that's right. And Arya's like, okay, what the fuck? And then um, he said, I thought you might be heading uh, for King's Landing. And Sansa's like, why would she be heading to King's Landing? And she's like, well, Bran says, well, Cersei is there and, and she's, she's on, on the list. list. Yeah. And then Sansa's like, okay, here's this list thing again. 
who else is on your list? And then Arya's like, oh, well, most of the most of the people, most of them are dead now, you know. So Sansa's sort of taking in her siblings, siblings together. We have this moment of like, what has gone down? Obviously, I thought I was having like a crazy time with Ramsay and Littlefinger and all this kind of crap. But you guys, yeah, you've seen some shit, guys. So, and then Bran does this uh, really interesting thing. So he's got this dagger that Littlefinger's given to him. Sansa asks him where he gets it. He says from Littlefinger. She's getting all worked up. Like, look, he doesn't give gifts. There's got to be some strings attached. And she's about to get wound up and like, you don't know him. Like, I know him, blah, blah, blah. And Bran's like, it doesn't matter. Um, and he hands it to Arya. Yeah, and that was the, you know, and this and this goes back to that scene, you know, with Littlefinger and Bran. Mm-hmm. You know, he's giving him this assassin's dagger. And there's a tight shot of it. A very specific yeah. tight shot. And then it's going to Arya, who now is the Stark assassin. Yeah, and who has Valerian steel in her hand. Now, I've, I haven't been able to unearth this. I'm sure out in nerdery, uh, someone knows exactly where that cat's paw dagger came from. Uh, I'm sure it was in the hands of a targ. It might have been forged by Azora High, for all we know, or some famous Aegon. But didn't you say the hilt is made out of dragon stone? It's but dragon bone. Dragon bone? So it's obviously, I think it's targ-related, and it's in the hands of a Stark, and nothing is by accident. So I think this... This thing that found its way into the hands of uh, the Lannisters, Brathians, whatever, is now in the hands of a Stark, and it's very significant. Again, we don't have time to just see random shit in the show, um, and we're doing this in the Godswood, and Bran's handing this over. And I notice, I think we both noticed this definitely on the first watch even, when he's handing the dagger over to Arya, he has like a, a moment. I feel like you see something new. Because he's still, his vision is still coming into focus. He doesn't really know everything. He's not where Max von Sydow's character was when he was, he had, you know, thousands of years to be uh, the three-eyed Reagan, Raven, the three-eyed Reagan. Three-eyed Reagan. <laughs> or well, Regan. That would have been fun. Um, so Bran has a moment when they, they are both holding onto the sword together as he hands it to her. And he, I feel like something was transferred yeah. or known there. They, they do, they linger. Mm-hmm. On that shot, in a way that makes you kind of tickles your brain, and so that that's why we believe that Arya is here in Winterfell. She's here to see Bran. She's here to get the dagger. She's here because we know that East Watch is probably going to come upon attack. We know from the preview that Bran sees that he sees the White Walker army approaching East Watch. So I think. Arya's part to play is she's going to be leading in some way, form or the other. Uh, the northern army because john's uh, elsewhere and they did that they did that with bran in season one when they went to go behead the deserter and they were talking about um white walkers and what the deserter saw yeah and i think it was ned who said oh those are old stories or someone told him those are old stories and then they had that same type of pause where Bran is looking out in the distance where it's just like okay that pause was just a little too long that's a great catch what's up with that awesome I didn't I don't even remember so, this at yeah all. I, I didn't I that's didn't catch awesome. it I didn't catch it until the like one of the watch throughs that we you know because we've 
we've watched it four times several times yeah. all the way through but um they did that same type of thing with him and i was like holy shit yeah and they've done that several times with bran i, I can't remember all of them but it's all there yeah. if you start putting it together. And we were starting to see that pattern on the rewatch, those little clever little things that are out there wide, you know, hiding in plain sight, and then you start to put them together. So we have this moment. I mean, again, all of these things are, uh, it is known. It, and you know, know. The thing is, like, they're very, del- and we're going to get into another one, but they're very deliberate moments where if you're paying attention, you're like, you know, it, yeah. it just it, it's like a siren right in your face. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's hard not to miss. So now we jump over to Dragonstone. So Danny and Masande are having a little um, talk as they walk down the steps, and they're having a little girl talk where, you know, Masande is like, the, the Unsullied have taken Casterly Rock, and uh, they haven't returned yet, and Masande's worried about this, and Danny's like, oh, did, did something happen between the two of you? And Masande's like, mm-hmm, some things. And Danny's like, what, girl? And they're having this moment of like, oh, did y'all get it on? You know we're going to talk about this later over wine, but hold up. And so John's down at the bottom of the stairs going, hey, come with me. Let's go um, check out the caves underneath Dragonstone. And this was a really interesting scene because John leads her in and they look around and we see obviously embedded in, under Dragonstone just, just piles and piles and piles and tons and tons of dragon glass. And John's like, this is this is exactly what we need to fight the White Walker army. He's he's like Ned Stark. He's like Ned was just winners coming, winners coming, winners coming. Just just a one note guy. John is like, hey John, you want a salad? Have you seen the White Walkers? I've seen Night the King, Night, Night King, King Night White King. Walkers. Okay, John, we we get it. We know you're planning for it. He's not here right now, but like, would you like a, would you like some chips with your Subway sandwich? No, did you see the White Walkers? It's like, dude. But obviously, when you've seen uh, the Night King, it's it, you should be alarmed. So we see that, and then he leads her further into the cave and shows her all of these uh, symbols and these carvings um, uh, that were made by the children of the forest, uh, which they used to inherit. They were the first people. They're not even people. They were the first creatures to inhabit um, this world. Uh, we get at least this part of the world. I don't know if they were in a shire or any of those other places, but in this particular part of the world. So they've, they have their story that's on the wall and it shows at first Danny thinks, oh, well, they were, they were fighting the first men and John leads them, leads her further into the cave. It's just the two of them at this point. Deeper into the cave. Deeper in the cave. We know what happens in caves with John, but we'll get to that in a minute. So then he, we see someone's depicted the White Walkers, and you want John to just basically jump up and down and go, see? Well, but first he, she says, you know, they the 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 first the children of the forest were here way before there were any Targaryens or even men. That's right. And then the next set of paintings was, no, they were here together fighting. And, you know, and then it was like, what were they doing? Fighting each other? And then they go deeper into the cave. And we do see some of the symbols that we've seen uh, throughout the show, like at, back at that ritual site that was beyond the wall that used to be green. And then the children of the forest um, sacrificed a one of the Andals, um, one of the men in that center of stones – that where they used to have yeah. their their rituals and their worship, and that created this winter and created a, an unstoppable enemy that they needed the men, ironically, to help them defeat, yeah. which was the first Azor High, 
and why we have the wall built and how I was embedded and warded with magic spells to keep those things locked away. Um, so there's this huge, you know, aha moment of, yeah, we got to do this again. And so John's made his case and you're thinking, oh, she's going to get it. This is basically like, this is, you know, proof. It's the proof that you can get from the past. And Danny's like, that's awesome. And I will fight for the North and I will, I will help you guys out because it looks like you need my army and my dragons, but bend the knee. (laughs) We're like, Danny girl, why? And she's, he's, she's like, what does it even mean to you? You're going to let your pride get in the way. Now, I didn't pick up on this because this is not what I'm looking for. But even the showrunners are saying that they're feeling each other in this moment. Like they're like having a moment. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, I didn't pick on, up on that either. But apparently that was you what know. was going on there. But then we have this moment of cutting from her saying bend the knee. We don't see his response. But when they walk out... We just cut to them immediately walking out in their shoulder to shoulder. Now, I don't think they actually had sex in the cave, even though we know John likes cave sex. It's what he's used to. It's where he lost his virginity. Um, So I don't know what transpired, but did he secretly bend the knee and go, okay, here you go. And can we just keep this between the two of us so we can just get business done? Or is he just in the scene coming up in the next episode? Go, hey, I bent the knee. You guys chill out. We're going to follow this chick. It, it was a really awkward, awkward cut. Yeah. And into the next scene. It's and one, intended it's, to mean something. Yeah. And, and well, yeah, maybe so. Maybe we're, maybe we're reading into it. But it's one of those things where it gives us pause and we read into it because why would you do it that way if, it, if you know, yeah. it didn't mean something? Because it was really, it was really weird. It was a strange cut. It was a very strange cut. So he either secretly bended the knee or something transpired that we, you know, we'll find out later. But I don't think it was sex. I don't think, like, he just dropped down on his knees and gave her, like, you know, a little Jon Snow hello. Because she even said, you know, you, you know, they, they, um, you know, he said, you know, my people won't accept a leader from the South. Because you guys suck. And and she said, well, they will if their king does. Right. So I do think, I think so there's there was, some secret there's knee still, bending. There's still a, you know, acknowledgement of, you know, you're still their leader. And she even said, they they chose you to protect them. Why are you letting your pride get in the way? So it's it. there's sort of, there's, I still think that there's, and then the, when, the, when, when they walk out, there's still sort of this, a quality about them that is, was really strange that or, we didn't see in the throne room. Or check me on this. So John and Danny are equals. She doesn't see him as an equal. Um, he doesn't really think about life in terms of equal or unequal. He just needs to get shit done. But but we know that John and Danny are equals. We also know that they're related. So y'all stop feeling each other because y'all, that's your aunt, dude. It's weird. But what I think could have happened, and this may be a stretch, um, I think he may have told her about his resurrection or some such. Possibly. Something was said, something was done to where maybe this beef is over because when she rolls out of that cave and we're told not only that, you know, the Unsullied are kind of stranded over there at Casterly Rock because it was, you know, Jamie pulled a fast one and emptied the place out and everybody's over at the Reach. She turns to John and asks his advice because she's pissed off. She's so pissed at Tyrion. She's like, your little careful plans and all this planning has lost me, you know, Dorne, the Reach, the Iron Islands. So she turns to John and said, you know, I'm losing. 
And I thought that what was... What do I do? And this is weird because why is she asking a guy who she's been asking to bend the knee? Who's She, like, what, a couple of days ago has been like, who is this fool? Right? Yep. Yeah. I thought that... I mean, that the fact that he asked her, or she asked him, I thought was also a little weird because what she wants to do now she's fed up she wants to take her three dragons she wants to take the dothraki she wants to ride to the red keep and she just wants to blaze it all up and just you know take cersei on right now she's had enough of this because she's getting these reports back that shit's just going sideways and she knows now that they have the the grains they have the the they're they've taken all this food and they're going to lay seeds they can like stay um embedded for like years if they have enough uh, foodstuffs and enough men. So she gets pissed off and she asks John what he thinks and he says something to the effect of if you take your dragons to melt castles and burn cities you're not different. You're just more of the same. Um, and Danny's a reasonable person to a certain degree and I think there's a hint that she might be just a little power mad because she gets impatient and, and she's also right a lot of times but I, I think she takes his advice Sort of. So she doesn't ride off with her three dragons and the Dothraki to the Red Keep. We'll find out what she does um, here in a minute. So now we're back over at Winterfell. And Arya is uh, just a glorious scene. Probably one of my favorite scenes in the episodes besides the big one. But Arya's uh, down in Winterfell in that very familiar yard from her childhood where the boys would sword fight. And she would sneak out and from her needlepoint lessons. And even then as a kid, I think she was probably just as good as those guys were, but she had the desire to be out there with them. She was already better than Bran in archery. That's right. Exactly. So she comes out and shows him up. Here she is, you know, as uh, our faceless man, Arya. And she sees Brienne out there with Podrick and they're having a little fight session. And she rolls up and is like, I'd like to, it's been a while since I've trained. And Brienne's like, well, I can get you, we can get you a, a, a sword maester to come out, sword, sword dude to come out here and, you know, engage you. And she's like, nope, I didn't see, uh, that guy didn't defeat the hound. You did. And so Brienne's like, okay. And then Ari reminds her that you're here to serve both of uh, Catalan's daughters. And Brienne's like, okay, I'll, all right, if you want me to. Kind of humoring Arya. And when Arya pulls out Needle to begin, Brienne with her big, you know, sword, her Valerian steel sword. And it's a practice sword. And I should say that Brienne is wielding uh, a sword that was forged from ice at Winterfeld against a Stark. I think that was that's a that's a practice sword. That's one of the. You don't think so? You don't no. think it's Oathkeeper? Because I, I looked at it's it. It's not Oathkeeper. No, it's not. All right, so there you go. So it's a practice sword. So I was I was going to have a big moment, and you just went. <laughs> Well, because I, I thought I was, I thought it was like it's good to be accurate. I thought it was because I during, when we were watching, I was like, oh, she is she fighting with you know that Valyrian steel? And when I looked at it, it was you know it was one of those dull, just plain, yeah, metal swords, right? But so you those... won't like kill the hell out of somebody, exactly. So she's got needle, and now Arya, I mean uh, Sansa and uh, Littlefinger have rolled up from above because they're discussing you know. The, pragma, pra, uh, the practical things of war to come and grain storage and shit like that. And they look down and see this go down, which is Arya fighting uh, Brienne. And it is, it's beautifully done. Maisie Williams is ama- amazing in this. And uh, so is our Brienne of Tarth. She's 
also it was pretty it was cool. it was beautifully choreographed. It was great. It was very whomever choreographed that whole fight scene. Hats off to you. You're awesome. And Arya demonstrates all these fighting styles that she's learned. She's learned to be swift like a cat chasing cats. She's uh, learned how to swashbuckle and to dodge and to wield her sword from Sirio Farrell. Uh, she's learned how to. Uh, also dodge and bounce back from the waif, stick fighting with the waif. And she's learned to, to most importantly, from the hound and their parries um, out in the mountains, she's learned not to go for an armored breastplate. Don't bother with that. You know, so she's been taught to go for like the knees, the neck, the hands, um, and forget the center of the, the person who's obviously going to be bigger than you. And so she's, you know, what, three, almost three feet shorter than Brienne and bests her in this fight. Well, that that very first that first uh, parry, that first interaction with the two, it was like dodge, move, and now you know needle is at Brienne's neck. And the and we finish off the fight with that newly acquired Valyrian dagger at Brienne's neck. Yeah, it was just it was it was it was probably the second best scene of the, the episode I thought I would also have to say it's probably my number one favorite Aria scene yeah that was my in the series yeah, today that's my favorite Aria moment because I love the way that, the way Aria just walks into the yard is is reminiscent of the stance of Cereal Pharrell and the way she moves it behind her back and the mm-hmm. way she is the water dancing and all of that stuff she's learned I'm like oh uh, my god I wonder how long it took for her to you know, just to practice those those spin arounds, and then you know, with the sword. I don't know, but I'm gonna look it up back, now. Now that you mention it, just all that stuff. I mean, that's just that was phenomenal. I just Maisie, just in general, we've we've seen her grow up on the show, right? We talked about this before, and we know that her and uh, oh my god, her name escapes Sophie me. Turner. Sophie Turner. Her and Sophie are like besties. And they've, they've hung out together, and they're so close. Just to see them act you know, opposite each other. We haven't seen this in season one. Yeah, we haven't seen them together for... Yeah, or season one, season two. Yeah. Uh, so just knowing that they're so close and just having these scenes and what, what fun they might have had. And then seeing Maisie just evolve. Um, and she's excellent. She's excellent on Game of Thrones. Her and Sophie Turner. The whole cast. You know, um, Hempstead, uh, who plays Bran. Hempstead Wright. Uh, he's freaking awesome. I love him. His there's like escaping me. There's this this devious smile that Arya has. You know when she's yeah. when when her and, and Brienne are are sparring. Mm-hmm. You know there's this this really satisfying smile that she has because we spent the whole the whole series so far so far you know just her getting the shit kicked out of her. Right, and the Starks have lost for so long. I mean. Since the beginning of, of Ned, uh, the beheading of Ned, you know, right out the gate, they kill the hero, and then the Starks are just are they're in this deficit for so long. Yeah. They're the lose. They're on the losing side of just about everything, and to see them come into their own is interesting. It's also setting us up for um, some huge heartbreaks because I don't think all of these Starks could get out of here alive. There's just no fucking way. Yeah, that's the thing. So they lost. They lost. They lost. They, they're going to climb, they're going to rise, and you're like, oh my God, who's going to die? I don't want anybody to die. Because you know that's what Martin's going to do. That's just Well, I don't think Martin's going to do you know. this. I mean, like, well, yeah. seriously. Maybe they, you know, they'll, you know. 
Ben Affleck and Weiss. Maybe they might do that. They're going to do it. But yeah, that's that's a bummer part is that because you all you know, you don't want to lose any more Starks. You don't want to lose any more direwolves. You don't want to lose any more dragons. Right. But guess what? But like there's something in the back of your mind going, that's, you know, you're not going to, that's not going to happen. No. You know, so you're going to lose some, if not all. Right. This is not, it's just not a, it's not a happy feel good show. No. But at the end of this fight, you see that Sansa is like, what the actual fuck? We've been hearing about the list. Uh, she's she's just really come off very murdery, and now she's bested Brienne of Tarth, who's pretty much unbeatable, unless she's outnumbered, right? Yeah, she's even a better swordsman than Jamie. So she beat the Hound for God's sake. So Sansa's like, "What in the hell is up with my sister?" Yeah, and Littlefinger. Um, Arya's hard, hard eating uh, little finger like this motherfucker right here. I I know you from King's Landing. I know your shit. So, and we know Brienne and Arya do not like Littlefinger. They don't trust him, and um, it's interesting. That was that was another um, another moment where he got knocked down a peg by a Stark. Exactly. I thought. Yeah, just like mm-hmm. See. So I don't know. He's he's definitely outlived his usefulness, and I think if you take him out of the question and you roll over there and you just, uh, I don't know, give a sweet Robin a couple of Falcons to play with, maybe you can just take the reach. I don't know. So we're back, we're, now we're back at Dragonstone, and John and Davos are walking the steps, and and Davos is asking John what he thinks of Danny, and this is where I didn't, I did not pick up on this at all, but Davos is like, you've been checking out. Look, he goes, what do you think of her? And, and John says she has a good heart. And Davos says, oh, you've been, notice you've been checking out her good heart. And it's like, I, did I miss something? Am I just missing it? I just don't, I'm not seeing this. But hey, they say it's happening. Awesome, yeah. fine, whatever. Well, I mean, that was, a, that was the kind of thing where it's like, you know, it was almost out of characteristic for Davos. Yeah. That whole walk down. And I was like, like, hey, did you, you know, mm-hmm. did, did he, did he do a, did he do a, a rail of coke or something? Because he's he's a little giddy there. It's just usually strange. you don't see Davos making jokes. Well, like I mean, that. he has made jokes. He has made jokes, but they've been they've been heavy, serious jokes. Yeah, they've been within the context of where we are. But now he's yeah. like, hey, we're walking down the steps again. So this is the t- couple of do- dudes sitting around talking, going, so hmm. And he's like, there's no time for that. Uh, kind of like I've kind of considered it, but you know. But I guess he doesn't know she's the aunt. And they, they run across Sunday who is hanging out at a, at a watch-out point, at a lookout point. And they have this interesting conversation where Sunday, who's from Noth, asks about uh, John's lineage. You know, you're called Snow, but your fathers are Stark. And, and he said, well, my, I'm a bastard. My parents weren't married. And they ask her about the customs of Noth. And she's like, I'm sorry, we don't have marriage so we don't have bastards and Davos is like oh isn't that liberating right yeah it's another one of his unusual jokes I don't know I I don't think humor for him is unusual I think he's he's I can see that he's got some humorous uh yeah he does he's got the the, uh, the I just thought it was I just thought it was really weird for him to say that um but just to say the thing about Danny or the thing about the thing, just that whole that whole walk down with oh. the thing about Danny, and then, you know the the li- how liberating. I thought it was funny, yeah, but I was like, 
Well, he has even more. Are you having an extremely good day today, Maybe Devils? so. I mean, when you're surrounded by dragons, you feel a little comforted. I don't know. He might have been drunk. Uh, so John, John starts questioning Masande when she's like, you know, when they go through her story about how she was freed by Danny. And Danny said, you know, she purchased me and then she set me free. And John's like, so so you can roll up out of here anytime you want to. And she goes, yeah. He goes, uh, really, do you believe that? What would happen if you asked for your freedom? And she said, well, she would give me a ship and wish me well, dude. And he's like, looking at her like, you, this is some propaganda. And she's like, let me just explain this to you real quick. She's not our queen because she's the daughter of some king we never knew. She's the queen we chose. And then Davos has his other joke, which is, will you forgive me if I switch sides? Yeah. That which was funny. It was it, a Davos joke. I thought me. it was funny. It was weird is because it was like, because when I was watching it and I, I was just tr- thinking, I'm like, was this pre-cave or post-cave? <laughs> I think it's post-cave. It, it's post-cave. Because Danny's gone. Um, but it felt, I felt like it was like, what if this was a pre-cave um, moment? Moment, And then, because then that goes, that has us going into the cave with, with John sort of like, okay. Well, it can't be because you know, the thing that happens it, next, because we see yeah, the Greyjoy ship roll up. Exactly, which was you know I I didn't think it, I, I just was like it it sort of t- it it made me think it was like well that's that's sort of weird but you know so yeah but so uh, uh, Theon rolls up and I just this is where I start to feel really sorry this is the, sorry for Alfie Allen who plays Theon Greyjoy so he has no idea that Jon Snow is going to be standing on the beach of Dragonstone. This is the last place you're going to see Jon Snow in your life if you're Theon. And he's rolling up, you know, he's just survived the attack of the sacking of his fleet by his uncle, Euron. And he rolls up and he's just, he sees Jon. And again, that face, that face that Alfie Allen has had to wear since what, season two on the show. Yeah. Oh, oh, shit, I'm sorry. There's another person that fucking hates me. And they have this interchange where, as I've said, John is not just going to be able to get his dragon glass and get away from here. He's not just going to like have cave nookie with his aunt Danny. He's going to he's going to get pulled into somebody's drama, somebody's bullshit. And here's Theon providing that storyline for us, where he's like, "Yara's been taken captive by my uncle. They're at King's Landing. I came to ask the queen for help." And they're like, "Well, the queen's not here right now." And then John is sort of like, you know, is John going to go and save Yara, a person he does not know, has never met, for a guy who the only reason that he's still breathing is because Theon helped Sansa escape Ramsay at Winterfell. That's the only reason. And then John tells him, you know, you got your yeah. one get out of jail free card because otherwise I would have run you I would, through. I would be killing you right now. So now we see this is how John is probably going to get pulled into this bullshit right here. And now we jump over to the Reach. So here's uh, Bron, Jamie, and Dickon. <laughs> oh. Tom Hopper, who's playing uh, Dickon, he, was, he, he plays the actor who was originally playing the character uh, last season. He's getting some love. Everybody is totally loving uh, Tom. And uh, just, just by his hapless uh, name that Bran, Bron actually laughs at when he says, uh, Rickon, he says Dickon, and Bron just laughs right in his face. And then we, we figure out from this interchange between Bron, Jamie, and, and Dickon is that old Dick's never been to war. He's just been on hunting parties. And he feels bad because he's hunted with a lot of these Tyrells uh, that he's just killed in this war. And um, he's a little shook from that and from just being in a war in general. 
And Bronn's like, you know, I guess you didn't know that men shit when they die. Didn't they teach you that at fancy lad school? And Jamie's like, dude, you have to be so crass. And Bronn's like, yeah, yeah, I do, dude. I really do. Sorry. And then as uh, Diggon rides off to go do whatever Dickon's going to do, uh, which is going to end up being dick off here in a minute, Bronn hears something. Bronn just looks at Jamie and says, listen, do you hear that? And that sound is thousands of horses of the Dothraki horde that's coming screaming up into the reach. So Danny listened to John, and she did not roll to the Red Keep with all of her stuff. She rolled to the reach where she knew that the Lannister army had all of the grain stores that were heading for King's Landing. Now, she might not have been able to cut the gold off, but she sure as shit going to be able to make sure that food is going to be scarce for this army to fight. Yeah, she sort of equalized the playing field almost. It was amazing, wasn't it? This battle scene is... The the battle scene was, yeah. It was like stand up the whole time with your hands on your face type of a sequence. It was the best battle in Game of Thrones to date, I have to say. And Battle of the Bastards and the Battle of the Siege of Marine, those were amazing battles. But this shit right here, this was insane town. Um and it was so well done, so well directed. Just stunt team on point, everybody on point, every background actor, every performer was just on it. CGI team. I mean, this right here, this is this is some magical shit. It was awesome. Yeah. There I mean I mean there was just like moments that you know, just the the way the, the Lannister army lines up and then and then just the, the Dothraki horde coming down. Just cutting right through them. And then when you hear that, you know, Jamie's like we can hold them. Then all of a sudden you hear that dragon coming in. Yeah, Drogon is there. So she doesn't bring Viserion and Rhaegal, but she rolls up with Drogon. And you're like, she didn't even get a costume change. She just jumped on the back of that dragon with her war brooch and her war gown and her hair done and just rolled up to the reach. It was like, yeah. So I don't know if the Lannister army could have actually held their own against the Dothraki. I mean, it might have been a fairly even match to a certain point, although the Dothraki are a little bit bloodthirsty. They don't, their archers ride on the backs of their horses. They yeah, don't that, just stand there like a bunch of assholes and go knock and then loose. They just go crazy. That was a, that was a great scene where they're, they're running down, they're riding down, and then you have those two, those two uh, archers on the back of their horses sort of rise up at the same time. Yeah. That was just... Fuck, I was like, holy Completely shit. different way of fighting. This is just, the, and, the, and they have like two-handed scythes and stuff. You know, nobody's got a shield. And they just knew that the first line was going to die, and they just ran right up in there. And then Drogon cuts a swath down the center of the Lannister army. And they're like, you know, Jamie's thinking, well, let's just get a bunch of the archers to line up and, and shoot a bunch of arrows at Drogon's chest, and we see them all bounce off. And then Drogon, uh, Danny is flying Drogon just down the long road of all of the granaries, all the carts of all the grain, and it's just setting it all on fire. So you just see this dragon. These people haven't seen a dragon in centuries. Like, this is the first time Jamie has ever seen a dragon in his lifetime. And here it is, and he's seeing what it does. It's just basically turning people to ash. Yeah. And... That we have on the battlefield, we have Kyvern's, um it's called the Scorpion. It's this bolt action um, arrow, if you will. Um, it shoots these huge bolts that can... It's, like, it's like, a, like a huge crossbow. Yeah. It's a huge crossbow. You know, like a, 
Like a cannon crossbow. A, a catapult. <laughs> so anyway, Jamie's like, I need you to go and like unearth this thing to Bran, to Bron. And Bron's like, what? He goes like, well, I can't really shoot with my right hand gone. So Bron now has to fight his way over to the cart that's holding the scorpion. And this Dothraki is just hot on his tail. And it shows the two fighting styles where this sellsword uh, knows how to fight dirty as well. And the Dothraki's like, I see your game and I raised the game. I'm going to cut the leg off your horse. Yeah. Uh, knocking Bran down, Bron down, I keep calling it Bran, Bron to the ground. And we think that Dothraki's going to hunt Bron down. And this entire time I'm thinking, oh shit. Yeah. I Bron's thought, had a lot of screen time in this episode. He's going to die. I thought Bron, I thought this was the end of Bron. I thought he was totally going to get it. That's a wrap on Jerome Flynn. And we just think that's what's going to happen. And he gets inside the cart, and the Dothraki uh, dude makes his way inside the cart, and then he's just looking straight down the nose of a bolt from the scorpion that Bronn just lent. He just nails him. He nails him to the the, the, the cart, cart outside. Yeah. yeah, just crazy. And then just like when he when he un- when he opens up that 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 carriage that the scorpion in was that was pretty badass too. That was cool. Just falls away, and there it's like, it is. Yeah, it's like. Uh, like uh, Optimus Prime's uh, trailer just sort of opens up. <laughs> I was like, that's fucking badass. Well, here's my question. Bron seems like a, a lazy dude. He loves his horrors. He loves his drink. You know, he loves to sit around and bitch and moan and tell stories. When did he go to, like, Scorpion training school? Because he knew how to operate that thing like he, he, like he invented it. So I, I was pretty impressed with Bronn's yeah. ability to totally understand how the scorpion works. I wonder if they, yeah, if they were able to practice with that. I mean, just somewhere along the line, just the did. logistics of like, you know, it was a pretty complicated thing. Yeah. There's a lot of levers and knobs and stuff. So I was very impressed with uh, Bronn being able to do this. And then you're kind of con- you're just conflicted because you love Bronn. Bronn is awesome. You know, he's he's your dude. You, I've been rooting for Bron this entire time, and now he's like, he's now he's against got, Danny, yeah. and he's he manages to launch one of these salvos and hit uh, Drogon like right. I want to say under his right armpit. Yeah, like right in his shoulder bone where his wing is. Yeah, but see, I mean, then that was you know, I mean. Why is Danny? I mean, because he because Bron shoots off one of them, and they both look at that thing, going, "What the fuck was that?" Right, goes right over her head, and then she just decides to play chicken with it a second time, and doing it's a like, rick on. She didn't even zigzag. Seriously, yeah, she you know just right for it. And so Tyrion is standing up on uh, the hill, watching. He's overseeing this, having by the way his own conflicted thoughts about, yeah, we're winning this war, but that's that's the Lannister army, man. Yeah. Uh, and in my mind, he's the only true Lannister on this battlefield because I think Jaime the Targaryen. Anyway, so, um, or half Tark. And, you know, he's conflicted. He's seeing that Jaime's on the losing side. And then he sees this. Okay, see, so Tyrion is us. We're seeing that Drogon is wounded. And uh, he's also pissed. So he turns around and he he basically just lays waste to the scorpion. Bronn jumps out of the way. And then he has the land near the water's edge, and then he's like, fuck that! And then he just totally smashes whatever's left of the scorpion to pieces. He's just like, yeah, I'm fuck that thing with his wing. And Danny dismounts to pull the bolt out of him. And while she's struggling yeah. to get this out of him, you know, Tyrion is just going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Jamie sees an opportunity to pick up a spear and go kill Danny. 
while she's elsewise engaged. Elsewise engaged. You know what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm trying to say there. So she's got her back turned. And Tyrion's just looking at this whole thing going, don't do it, idiot. Do not do this. Yeah. And then what happened? Then what happened, Ian? He goes for it. He's he's charging at Daenerys. So he almost, he was he got close too. He got very close. And then you see the big old head of Drogon whip around in front of his mom's. And you see in the back of his throat that fireball that he's yeah. about to hork out. And Jamie is about to just be buttered golden toast, right? He's about to be ash on an ash horse. <laughs> and Bronn, we think it's Bronn. I'm pretty sure it's Bronn. I think it's Bronn. Bronn knocks him off the horse, takes them both off their horses into the water. So now they're in, they're, they've fallen into this lake and Jamie's sinking because he's like full on wearing armor. And the only thing I'm thinking here is, you know, can Bronn get a castle now? Because, you know, Bronn's, he didn't pick up his, his coins. He fought at the Dothraki. He bolted the guy in the chest. He got one off into the, uh, a dragon. He's the first dude in modern history to be able to totally wound uh, a dragon. Although we know that one of the dragons got injured at the fighting pits back in Marine, but they were smaller yeah, but to 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 land one inside Drogon, who's if not the same size or larger than the Black Tread, um, that's a deal right there. That's some legendary. You could dine out on that for the rest of your life, and he saves Jamie. So, and I don't think uh, Jamie's dead. A lot of people are like did Jamie die? I don't think Jamie's dead. Jamie's not done. No, I, it, it, yeah, somehow he's going to come out of that water. But Bronn's probably going to have to go over, take his armor off of him. Bronn has to do everything. So this was a conflicted thing for me. As glorious as this was, as glorious as it was seeing, you know, Danny tear into the Lannisters, rip them a new asshole, the very people who unseated, help unseat her father, and um, Jamie was complicit in the murder um, of her father. This is the man who killed her dad, and she knew he was a piece of shit, but nevertheless, here we are. And just to see a dragon in action in this way, uh, although we've seen the dragons do some shit back in, in Essos, but it was, it was crazy. It's like, they're here now. This is real. We've been talking about it and talking about it. Just thousands of screaming Dothrakis, a dragon, people turning to ash. This sucks. But she does need to come up with a better battle plan, I think. Yeah. And now that they know that they, they have this, this scorpion, they have to, you know, come up with a, another another strategy. They're going to fight dirty. how to fight that. They've got to, like, they've got to fight as dirty as, um, and with the rules have to change. I don't know if it's fighting dirty so much as it's just fighting differently. The Dothraki are not, they're not going to line up with, you know, a shield wall. And your shield wall ain't going to stop you know, basically wildfire from burning you to death. So we'll see. I I loved it. That was probably one of my, it was my favorite it was, scene it, in Game of Thrones so far. It was, I mean, the whole episode, apart from, you know, the Cersei and, and Tycho scenes, the whole yeah. part of it was like, uh, just, you're totally engrossed. Yeah, every you know? and every minute counts and everything means something. Even the Tycho scene, they kept it brief at least. Yeah, I'm glad they, they kept that brief. There wasn't a whole lot of sitting here. You know, I don't want to have any more conversations about banking. I think we were here to hear this conversation because 
of the Golden Company aspect of it. Yeah, and we'll so see we'll how see that, that, that yeah. plays out. But that, that battle scene, oh, fuck, man. Those, just hats off to them. I've been uh, catching up on like how and the making of and who these guys are. And uh, even Nicolaj uh, was saying, who plays Jamie, he was like, these guys are amazing. This uh, whole stunt team is is really great. So we know in the preview that's coming up, um, whomever's left of the Lannister army is, uh, Danny's going to ask them to bend the knee. We'll see if that actually happens. I mean, I don't know if I was on that battlefield and I saw people turn literally to uh, ashes, I'd probably bend the knee. But we don't know. We don't know how many uh, of the army are still left. We don't know what's going to happen, but we know that Danny's going to roll up and just uh, basically offer these guys... I'll give you the same deal I've given uh, everyone else I fought. You guys can just, you can hang with me and be on my side or die. Um, we know how Haggis would probably roll. He's not going to bend the knee. He's just going to bark. Do you have any uh, any predictions about what you, at this point, are you just like done with fan theories? You just want to see it go down? Yeah, I, I don't. Like, I don't care anymore. I, I don't care about fan theories. I just want to see, I want to see them play this out because it's really really good it's really good and i'm happy that there's been a complaint and i don't know why this is a complaint that the show is moving too fast uh nope i'm totally the opposite of that i love how fast it's going i love that it's just getting shit done and we're just going at a break uh breakneck speed i'm totally into it well i mean if this you know seven episodes and then eight for season eight if that holds true they only have what 11 episodes left so yeah, to tell the whole story it has to move fast yeah uh we're gonna see uh east watch coming to play next week we're gonna see what uh what's gonna happen to torment hopefully we don't lose our red-haired uh beautiful giant spain gentleman that would uh truly suck i do not want to see that happen yeah that's the that's the thing that's making me anxious on that one is like are we gonna are we gonna see What's going to happen there? Yeah, I really want Tormund to stay in this fight to the bitter end. I want him to actually live and be the king beyond the wall. Or what's left of the wall. Or just, you know, one of John's, you know, homies. Just John's going to need someone to hang out with when this is all over. It can't just be like, you know, let me tell you a story about a White Walker. John, we've heard this one before. We know it's really awesome, but, you know. All right, so uh, that is the spoils of war. Man, that was a good episode. What's what's the name of the next one? Um, East Watch. East Watch. So we know mm-hmm. shit gonna get real. We're gonna spend some time down in the the north, uh, and beyond the wall at that castle where Tormund's gone to set up. So hopefully, hopefully it won't be bad news. But suffice it to say, Haggis is worried about it. Obviously, he's very upset and he's. He's worried about it. Uh, the mailman is in the vicinity. That's why he's, he loses his shit. All right, so we're going to wrap it up and um, let you guys have a good week. Uh, take care of yourself. Stay hydrated. If it's hot where you are, stay cool. We'd watch episode four if you have a chance. Please. <laughs>